Welcome to another episode of Cloud and Clear. I'm your host, Rocky Giglio. And on with me today is uh, Richard Ford, CTO and co-founder of Praetorian. Do I have that right, Richard? Well, I wish I was a co-founder, Rocky, but definitely CTO. So you're, you're what right, one to right. We won't keep too much stuff. <laughs> nice. Um, I, I know you're that smart, so I'm not worried. Uh, you, you know, <laughs> it's been great working with you guys uh, over the last couple of years, and um, good to have you on the show, man. So. Yeah, thanks, Rocky. It's it's great to be here. I uh, you know I guess first and foremost, tell us a little bit about Praetorian, who you are, uh, what you guys do, and uh, what your role is as CTO, or what do you, what's your day to day as CTO there. Every CTO will sympathize with me when I say that the role of a CTO is to juggle flaming cans. Um, you know, um, kidding aside, yeah, I'm the chief technology officer. I actually joined Praetorian about two years ago, and um, I was the company's first CTO prior to that. Nathan, who was the founder, had been sort of wearing quite amazingly two hats. What Praetorian does is actually pretty special. What we do is we're absolutely world-class experts in offensive cybersecurity. So if you think about cybersecurity, you think about it one of two ways. There's the, there's the team that plays for the defense. And what we do is we play offense. But we're actually still the good guys because what we're going to do is we're going to work with you by playing really great offense to help you get your defensive team and skills up to speed. And that's kind of what we do and what we specialize in. Yeah, I love the analogy. Um, you know, we live in a world where the offense is usually the red team, right? And uh, and so that you know, you, you kind of get that negative. I've been listening to this podcast of you know guys who do pen testing and some of the the black hat stuff they've had to do to to get in and try to find their way into their you know their customers' environments. Um, it's exciting stuff, um, but uh, you know it's definitely a challenge. It's a challenge today because of how fast things are moving too. Um, and I think that's one of the areas where you guys have really been able to help your customers. So uh, tell us a little bit about the technology that Praetorian provides and kind of what your, your approach there. So in the offensive side, what's the approach? There are really two primary things we do in the offensive side. We have a fully-fledged services organization who will go off and if they need to write a one-of-a-kind O-Day exploit to get into your system, we're regularly thanked in some of the uh, exploit disclosure things. We've contributed, you know, dozens of TTPs to the MITRE attack framework, for example. But we've also got a product, Chariot. And what Chariot does is essentially it allows us to deliver that security expertise that Praetorian has built up over the years at scale through external attack surface management. And so doing that, we can automate a lot of that. So the challenge with red teams is that it's sort of it's a point in time assessment, right? And our services teams are fantastic at that. We always get our target. We almost always, you know, can can work with our clients to to find uh, vulnerabilities. And by the way, as an aside, one of the important things here is in red teaming. Very often, it's adversarial, right? The red team's going to get in, and we're going to beat that blue team. That's not that's not how we think about it at all. Our goal isn't to show that we're smart and we can break your defenses. A goal is to help you have better defenses. And I think that tiny little change in mindset is really important. That's what allowed us to build Chariot, which is our product. That's the piece of our puzzle that I think you're most familiar with as we've worked together with SATA on standing a lot of that up in GCP. And, and there's a lot to talk about there because it's a very odd looking workload. 
And what it does is it scans the customer's resources continually, providing almost continuous automated red teaming so that a customer, as soon as they do something that steps them out of safe and secure and into dangerous, we're going to alert them and we're going to help that customer fix it. And it's a fantastic value proposition for the customer. Yeah, red teaming, I mean, just that effort alone, it's expensive, right? And it takes a lot of effort to, to really do that well. It takes a lot of effort, as you guys know know very well. Um, but it's also one of those things that you don't do every year, right? Because of that expense and because of how much time it takes, um, I think most customers aren't going to go and engage in the red team exercise every year. One, because every time you do that, you have this backlog of stuff that you got to go fix, right? Um, and well, then, it, you know, that takes time to do as well, so... Yeah, and let, and let me ask you a question, Rocky. You, you, you're helping manage what's got to be a pretty big installation around the globe. Um, how different is it today than it was yesterday? How many IP addresses do you think changed? How many ports closed and how many ports opened? It's massive, right? You're yeah. not the same company you were yesterday. And so the only way to do red teaming and really get the value out of it is this continuous thing. We, we see instances, for example, where we can tell where everyone came into work because we see the dev environment kind of start spinning up. We can see everybody went home. We see the dev environment spin down. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do a lot of end-user computing uh, consulting, so helping customers create user experience and whatnot. And yeah, you would see these trends where it's like, oh, clearly it's work time because all this activity is happening and then poof, it goes away. Uh, and certainly we see that in, in our environments. I mean, you think about like, uh, what, what do they say? Uh, something like two thirds of internet traffic used to be Netflix after like 6 p.m. You know, now I don't know what it is, you know, Netflix, Hulu, YouTube, and, and, and so on and so forth. But um, but we definitely have these trends. And with those trends is changes in what's happening, right? What's coming mm -hmm. in, what's going out. Um, and then from a dev, you know, if you're thinking about it from the dev perspective, that's tests I'm running, something I'm experimenting with, something I'm experimenting with today that I wasn't planning to experiment with, right? I mean, that happens all the time uh, on my own workstation, right? I'm thinking about, oh, I got to help this customer architect this, that, or the other. You know, I'm going to spin up this instance over here. I'm going to test this thing out. Um, and I'm not, I mean, even as the security guy, I'm still not always thinking about, did I do that in the most secure way, right? I'm thinking about this problem I'm trying to solve. And so, you know, for, for you guys, I can definitely see the value in Hey, we're constantly scanning. We're constantly looking at at what those changes are and where you're vulnerable, right? Yeah, and I think you touched on something again, quite important, right? You said even as the security guy, I'm not necessarily thinking immediately about how secure it is. That's because I'm going to give you a fancy way of saying that. That is because you are a task centric cognitive miser, and that's because we all are. What that means is you don't think about anything except the sort of bridge you're trying to cross right now. So if you're trying to solve a Kafka problem for a customer, say, say it's us, you're focused on that. You're not focused on making certain that the Kafka instance you just spun up is 100% locked down. And the problem for customers is often the isolation in those environments isn't good enough. And so you know they put up this thing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have real production data on it but it's still breachable and it's not cut off from the rest of their environment well enough. And that's where the problem starts. Yeah, for sure. I and mean, we see that all the time. Think about most of the, most of the incidences that do happen end up making the news. Why? Well, because we were focused on, I needed to provide this solution for this vendor, for this customer. So you go and you built something, you thought about security afterwards, which is typically how we see customers approach this. And, and to your point, right? It's not because we don't want to, it's because, the reality is we're trying to solve a problem, right? We're, we're focused on that that solution. And so 
we just live in a time now where it's the hackers are just as fast as we are, right? And so they're looking for, you guys are scanning customers' environments, right? And looking for those changes. Guess who else is doing that, right? Um, especially for big name brands and you know folks that are well-known. Um, I mean, I run a couple of little tiny WordPress websites, right? And I mm -hmm. run these scanning, you know, blocking tools, uh, security tools to help pr protect those sites. And just my tiny little sites that get hundreds of visits a month, right? Nothing big. They still get hit with all sorts of, you know, pen tests, if you will, uh, from bad actors looking for vulnerable WordPress sites, right? Um, and so it's amazing how fast that can happen uh, in, in the cloud environment. Yeah, I think, and I think in the cloud environment, you're dealing with two kinds of attackers, right? There's the kind of attacker who says, I'm going to go get Rocky. And so he's going to be very focused on you. And then there's the kind of attacker who says, I'm going to get anyone. I'm going to get in there. I'm going to see who it is. And then I'm going to figure out how to monetize it. And unfortunately, you're dealing with both of those at attack scenarios. Yeah, and, and the, 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 I'm going to get you guys are well-funded today, right? So it's a, it's a different environment too, I think, even than 10 years ago, 15 years ago in this industry where, yeah, I mean, hacking was a thing and, you know, there were hackers, but now these are nation state actors that are well-funded, right? They're looking for opportunities to exploit enemies, right? And so you've got this constant uh, well-funded team of folks that are just looking for vulnerabilities and, and ways into organizations, not to mention the most common, which is just misconfiguration, right? Like, hey, I didn't mean to leave that open, but I did, right? Misconfiguration of software that's kind of sitting out there decomposing on the internet. Uh, when we do pilots, um, you know, the team, our, our goal on almost every pilot we do with Chariot is that we'll find a critical. Um, and critical to us is RCE, remote code execution, that gives us complete control of something that you care about. and. And I would say that very much more often than not, we, we accomplish that. Um, it, and the, the cross-section of things that, that cause a customer to get breached or a prospect to get breached, it's really hard. I mean, we don't, we're not looking at these people and going, well, how could you? Because maybe they have 10,000 Apache servers out there and we can get one of them. You know, and then move horizontally. That's a the, the CISO has an incredibly difficult job, and only only being made harder by the current financial environment, right? Where we're seeing budgets come down, and you got to do more with less. Everyone knows who the CISO is after the attack, right? Um, right. But up and to that, to your point, right? There's there's so much um, that we are protecting against, and that we're we're challenged with protecting. Um, and it's, it's good to be thinking about that. And it's good to have even that mindset of like, Hey, I don't want to be that guy. However, the reality is there is a ton of stuff going on inside our environments that you can't necessarily plan for. And so having, you know, Praetorian type solutions where, you know, I've got to have something helping me, uh, look for those vulnerabilities, you know, because sure, it's fun to find, it's fun, uh, you know, from Praetorian's perspective, it's fun to find those, those zero day exploits or, you know, uh, you take over the world. It's always fun to do that. But uh, but the reality is it's good for me as a CISO to know that and be able to say, okay, this is really what, how they got through. And this is how I can take that next step. And, you know, um, and, and to your point, relative to the fact that today we're operating in a, in a different financial mm -hmm. climate, right? Where I have to make improvements, but I can't just go buy the next hot thing, right? I'm not going to just spend that money like we used to. Uh, we've got to be strategic. And so this really does help, I think. 
Yeah, I think I think that's partly that's partly why the way we measure success isn't, in fact, we found a critical. My measure with my customers for my QBRs isn't, hey, Mr. Customer, how many times did we breach you this month, right? That's not a good conversation. There's, there's no winner in that game. But my conversation's around how many vulnerabilities did we help you fix? So that the success criteria for me isn't vulnerabilities found, it's vulnerabilities we teamed together to fix. And I think that focus on, on get well rather than get breached is, is really important. And again, it's a slightly different mindset. When you, when you run security tools and you see this in everything from consumer level antivirus to really high end offerings, a lot of the times we measure the, the efficacy of the tool of how many things did it find? How many red, check, how many red X's did we find? That's the wrong measure. The right measure is how many of those red X's did we help you fix and turn into green check marks? Yeah, I love it. You know, our our cloud security confidence program uh, is focused on building this confidence, right? Hence the word confidence in the in the name of the program, right? It's we want you to have that confidence that you do have the right protections in place, that you do have the right processes in place, that your your folks are getting the right training so that you're not leaving things exposed and and that we're we're shifting those practices left, right? We're shifting security practices left and not just willy-nilly throwing things out and, and trying to come back and do security. So anything we can do to help our customers, kind of to your point. Let's focus on the green, right? How did we help you get to the green and stay in the green uh, rather than, you know, it's like the news, right? Everybody likes a, a story about something terrible that happened. And so that's what sells, right? That's what gets you the clickbait. Um, but the reality is we're all in this together, right? Um, because we're, you know, you guys have a company that that's just as likely to get breached as any other company out there, right? It's not like you're you're off here with Praetorian and Chariot and, oh, great, we're, we're never going to get hacked, but the technologies platforms themselves get hacked, right? And so we, we've oh, got to I think about sleep those over things. That every day, Rocky. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, if if I wake up in a cold sweat, it's either did I turn off the stove or are we locked down securely? You know, it's one one of those two. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> did I leave the coffee pot on? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So, so I guess uh, just to transition in, in the minutes that remained, like uh, Praetorian and Google Cloud. Like, what made you choose Google Cloud? So. So we were already a Google Cloud shop when I came on. I, I actually was, uh, I'm going to use a three-letter acronym here. I was an uh -oh. AWS guy when I came <laughs> on. But, but I've actually really enjoyed using Google Cloud. It's, it's the accessibility of, of the folks, right? And I think you and I have had some great experiences around that. It's, it's the ease of development the speed of development that we can get, the observability is great. Um, you know, and Google's a pretty good partner, right? I mean, they're, they're a really solid technology house. It's got managed versions of most things. And, and so as a, as a security guy, right? Uh, we'll use an example of Kafka. I, don't, I, I used to run my own Kafka cluster. I never want to do that again. With Google Cloud, it's like, okay, I'll, I'll pay a little bit more maybe in, in hardcore dollars to get that stood up and up and running. But I now have zero administrative costs for managing it and it's secure out of the gate. And that's beautiful. Yeah, those are the things to for sure. I mean, to your point, right? We want to sleep better at night. We sleep better at night when we know that these platforms are running securely. Um, and anything we can do to take some of that burden off of our teams is also critical, right? Um, paying a few cents more per day to not have to hire additional headcount and give my team that peace of mind that things are taken care of 
is for sure worth it, right? Every every day of the week. Worth worth every penny because time, I mean, I hate the expression time is money, but I quite like the expression time is market share. And so the the faster I can develop on and be an expert in the things that we're experts in, and the less time I have to worry about is this database going to stay up or is my Kafka cluster appropriately, you know, operating, the, the better we can be in terms of providing value for our customers. That's a huge statement coming from a security company, right? Because I think a lot of times um, there's there's a sense of pride too in our in the socks that we build, right? We've built these teams and these operational teams that like, this is my team and they're amazing. And that's the right mindset, right? We should have that faith in our teams. Um, but there is also this, uh, peace of mind that comes and value that comes from saying, you know what, we don't need to build a coffee cluster and manage it ourselves, right? Um, unless there's a, a good business reason to do so, right? We can leverage this platform offering and just take all of that off our plates and and be able to focus on the value we're bringing to our customers. And that's that's a big statement. Yeah, I think you can extend that to security, right? In general, so for most of my customers, they time spent on security is time spent not on their core business if they're not a security vendor. And so the goal should be to allow you to be the expert in that thing that you're an expert in and to offload as much as possible the things that you don't need to be an expert in to people who are. So when it comes to running a large cloud, could we do this in Colo if we had to? Sure, but I'd be a thousand times slower, you know, and I probably would sleep less. Yeah, for sure, right? I mean, that's... Uh, the old joke is, you know, cloud is someone else's computer, but the, the value of someone else's computer is I get to sleep at night, right? <laughs> I don't have to go and deploy, you know, 50 additional resources, you know, people uh, to go out and actually operate this thing just to get me to the point where I can say, yeah, I need more Kafka and click a button, right? Um, that takes a lot of effort and time. And and so you're, you know, you're getting that value for sure in cloud. And I think, you know, we while we're all well aware of that in 2023, we still forget, right? We still go, oh yeah, you know what? Well, I could build that myself. I could roll this on my own. Um, and it's uh, it's important to recognize recognize that value. So uh, Richard, uh, in the few minutes that remain, um, you know, we got a great audience here, uh, lots of security trends going on. Like what's top of mind for you guys is like, just as you look at what's happening in the marketplace today, uh, what would you say is kind of your number one uh, focus here for the rest of the year? The number one thing that I'm thinking, well, I'm thinking about a couple of things. There's a very long-term thing I'm talking, I'm thinking through, which is large language models and generative AI. Because I think I think that is going to be a perturbation that changes a lot of stuff. That's my long-term, long horizon thing. In the short term, what I'm thinking about is what can I do to enable CISOs to get more bang for their buck? Right, because I think we've spent a lot of money on security, but we haven't really seen the returns on those investments always. And so how can I allow my CISOs, how can I enable my customers to do more with less, to cut the right corners, not just cut corners, right? To trim things to the most efficient. And so we're spending a lot of time thinking about, about that. And that's why we're, we're continuing to lean in and lean in yet further to this offensive security so that it should be about material risk and helping focus the, the customer around material business risk, as opposed to, you know, is every last widget patched up to the latest version of everything? That's not gonna, if, if your focus is compliance, you'll get compliance, but you won't get security. If your focus is security, okay, you know, 
you'll get security now. Do you still have to pay for compliance or can we get you that compliance as part of your security push? That That's the sort of nearer term stuff I'm working through. I like that focus, right? It's <clears throat> I was commenting on an article the other day about frameworks, right? You've got all these frameworks, NIST, CSA, so on, CIS, so on and so forth, right? That do help us understand and define where we are relative to what's good practice. Um, but to your point, we could focus on the framework or we could focus on, you know, passing an audit to the detriment of the actual security posture of our organization, right? We There's more to it than just saying, yeah, I checked that box, I checked that box, I checked that box, right? Uh, because yeah, you can I get mean, lots of know, green, the- shiny dashboards, but that doesn't help you be secure, right? Correct. I mean, the classic example is, you know, you're running a slightly out of date version of TLS, you're allowed to, you know, we're allowing TLS 1.2. Okay, maybe there's some theoretical risks. But unless you're a very targeted high end nation state, that's probably not how you're going to get breached. You get breached because you've left a password file sort of internet readable through a through a misconfigured Apache server. Or you put the, all your customers' data in an open cloud storage bucket, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, yeah, that bucket. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. So that guy's not here anymore. I forgot that that thing existed. Yeah. Um, no, good, good stuff. So, Richard, appreciate you joining me here on the show. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, good conversation, as always. And um, just looking forward to working with you guys more here in the years to come. And, yeah, uh, thanks, Rock. Yeah, I'm sure to- I'll see you in the trenches. You will for sure. And uh, for the folks tuning in, uh, again, this is Richard Ford, CTO of Praetorian. And uh, these guys are a great partner of SADA's. And it's been good to good to chat. If you've liked the episode, don't forget to subscribe down below. Uh, click that like button. Let Richard and I know that, uh, that we had something valuable to say. <laughs> thanks, Richard. Thanks, Rocky. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app.